Hello, Courier Nation. Welcome to the Deliver on Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. Each week, we talk about how to make the most of your business as an independent contractor, as a courier delivering for gig economy apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and so many others. Well, welcome back, Courier Nation, and how is your week as being the boss? You are being the boss, right? Seriously, folks, the beauty of what we do is you get to decide when and where you work, and if it's not happening wherever you go out to deliver or whatever, you can pivot. You can go find somewhere else to go, or you can find a better time. There was a line that I heard oh, about a week or so ago on the Gary V podcast, and he said this. He said, Everything is your fault, and that's a good thing because that means you are in control. Folks, when you're taking control, when you're being the boss, when you're taking responsibility, when things aren't going well and you're saying, this is my fault, rather than blaming Uber Eats or DoorDash or anything like that, guys, you're, it's, it's amazing how much freedom that gives you because in the end, it really is up to us. We are business owners. And the deal is, when you own a business, your customers don't owe you anything. Nobody has an obligation to come to your store if you're running a store. And Grubhub and DoorDash don't have any obligation to give you business. And that's why you want to treat it like a business so that. But the thing is, is is when you realize that the failures and the successes are, are related so much more to what you're doing than to anything outside, Guys, that frees things up. It it is so freeing. And one of the things that I love about this gig work is that nobody's going to hold me down. It is completely up to me. And if the day comes when it's not paying enough money, well, guess what? I get to make that choice to move on. So I hope that it's been a great week of being the boss. Folks, I started this a couple of weeks ago where I wanted to touch on some things uh, before going into the topic. So we're going to do that again here this week. I've kind of enjoyed being able to do that because it helps kind of stay up on some of the things that are happening out there. First thing I want to bring up real quick is that the Paycheck Protection Program has been extended. Now, if you listened last week, I made the announcement. I, last week's episode was on June 30th, and I announced that, hey, this this is the last day, and most places had already shut down as far as taking applications. Well, that's been extended. The government passed the extension to August 8th. And uh, if you earned very much in 2019 and you haven't taken it yet, you really do want to look into the Paycheck Protection Program. I think it is. Most drivers seem to be looking into this $1,000 grant with the EIDL, and they're looking at it like that's a free money type of thing. And I I think if you had to choose between the two, for most people, if you qualify for very much, that Paycheck Protection Program is a good program to look into because of the loan forgiveness that goes with that. Now, I don't know how it's going to work going forward uh, in the next month or so as far as actually doing the applications because a lot of the lenders with Paycheck Protection Program, you apply through banks or through these uh, finance companies or something like that, like PayPal was one of them or Cabbage. And a lot of those lenders, you know, they shut down when the deadline passed. And it's going to take a bit of gearing up for them to get back up and going again. And a lot of them are saying it's not worth going to the trouble. So they're probably not going to take applications. So I'm not sure where you're going to be able to apply. 
I'll keep my eyes open. And if you hear places that are still taking applications in July, let me know so that I can pass that on to folks, okay? Now, on the website at entrecourier.com, we do have now an option on the menu that uh, says COVID-19. And in there, we've got a section. We've got articles about safety and about delivering uh, during the pandemic. And there's a whole section that lists the articles that we've got in there about the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, it's got articles about the uh, about the Economic Injury Disaster Pro Relief Program, uh, the EIDL. Uh, it's got stuff on how to apply for those things and what kind of things you need to put down in the applications and stuff like that. So you can get a lot of that information there. And I'll also have some links in the show notes. I want to announce something that I'm almost ready to announce. This is the unofficial official announcement. Um, I am working on, uh, I'm still working out some of the details of how I want to deliver it and exactly what it's going to look like. But I'm going to be rolling out a, a course, uh, calling it something like the 31 Days to a More Profitable Delivery Business course. There's probably a better name for that. That's part of the things I want to work on, I guess. But the idea of it is, is just to walk through different things, give you some homework, give you some things to do, uh, and, and help show people kind of how to track some of the things that are happening and uh you know, maybe get a little more practical about some of the things that you can do to increase what you're earning and give everybody a, the, the ability then to also track their progress, you know, and see what you're doing. So I'm hoping, you know, that uh, in, in about two weeks or so to be able to make a, an, an official announcement and start doing the sign up and everything. And I would love to have this thing launched around the 1st of August. Like I said, it's not official yet, but it is coming. So stay tuned. That's something that I thought about charging for, um, <clears throat> to be honest, because part of the thing about, uh, you know, that's been holding me back about doing this is it's going to take some time to put it together. And part of what I want to do with the course is, you know, do some, uh, you know, some group coaching where you can do a, you know, live Q&A call in, maybe a Zoom meeting or something like that, where you can kind of cover the topics of the of the uh, the week and stuff like that. But that kind of stuff is just going to take some time. And that means that that's time that I won't be able to be out delivering. So I thought, okay, well, I could charge and that would kind of help offset it. And I think I'm okay with doing that. And because uh, I've been okay with paying for some courses that I've taken. I've taken some courses on you know podcasting and website things and different things like that. And they've all been worth every penny that I paid. Uh, just a huge difference. And, and it really is worth it. But I've also got this philosophy that I've got with the website that I want to make my content as readily available as possible. And I just decided, you know what, I want to make this available to as many people as possible could take it. And so instead of having advertising take care of it, or, or I'm sorry, <clears throat> instead of charging for the course, I thought, okay, I'll just let advertising pay for it instead. I've ad added some advertising to the website, and that'll kind of help you know, compensate me, I guess, probably for the time in developing the course. And uh, I do want to ask you to kind of pay attention to the web. You know, if you go to the website very much and uh, just kind of keep an eye on, does it does it look okay? I, I really was focused on trying to find something that was not super intrusive, you know? You get some of those sites where it's like they're popping up left and right and they just drive you nuts and eventually you leave. And I don't want to have that kind of site. So... I want to keep it tasteful, and uh, but you know if if you see issues with that, definitely let me know there. Okay. One last piece of news before I get into the topic of the day, and that is, 
you may have heard this news, Uber is buying Postmates. Now, I've got two articles linked in the show notes. Uh, one was uh, some thoughts that I put out when I first heard the rumors come out. and said, this is what I think it's going to look like. And the information that came out eventually then when they did say, yeah, we're going to do this, it looks like it's falling in line with what I was thinking. Uh, the other one had you know, probably more just kind of some of those um, reactions to what's happening and uh, where things will probably go from there. Here's the skinny on the deal. Uh, you can get you, you can read those articles. Again, I'll have those linked in the show notes. You can read those articles and get a lot better uh, uh, depth to the whole thing. But here's the skinny of it all, and, and that is Postmates is going to continue to be Postmates. They will operate as a separate app. Uh, it sounds like the way they say it is even a, a, a separate company that will just be under the Uber Eats division. So Bastian Lehman, who is the CEO at Postmates, and his team are going to stay on. They will continue to manage the Postmates company. So you're still going to have Uber Eats and you're still going to have Postmates. So we're not losing anybody by this acquisition happening. We're not seeing, you know, there's no morphing. There's no Borg assimilation going on here. You're going to have Uber Eats. You're going to have Postmates. Main thing is now kind of some of the overall management, the corporate and the legal and the HR all of that's going to be combined, but these companies are still going to operate individually. And I'm not 100% sure how this is going to happen exactly, but my take on this is I expect it to see that uh, Postmates will focus more on merchandise and on the you know place and pay, the order and pay type of things. You know what they're going to do is they're going to do kind of the shopping type of deliveries, and Uber Eats will continue to kind of be more the Uber Eats stuff. You know, Uber Eats has talked about, and, and, and part of this merger, they said, you know, one of the things that they've been wanting to get into is doing more merchandise, more stores, more non-food deliveries. And Postmates is a perfect avenue for doing that because they do that already. They have, you know, I've done, you know, some grocery store deliveries. I've done shoe store deliveries. There's a Apple um, you know, the Apple store. So there's a lot of these stores where you do deliveries and they've rolled out an integration with Shopify that, you know, people that have just a little mom and pop Shopify store, they can do delivery through that without a whole lot of cost to it or anything like that. And that's one of the things that kind of was attractive, at least according to Uber Eats. So I think Postmates is going to focus a lot more on those type of things. I think they're going to handle a lot more of the uh, um, order and pay. You know, Uber Eats sent me a debit card back in March because they were going to roll out Uber uh, order and pay here in Denver, and it never happened. Um, and because all of a sudden, all the changes that were happening, according you know, because of the uh, pandemic, and so I think there was a shift in focus. And I kind of wonder if instead of rolling that out themselves, if Uber Eats is just going to say, "Here, Postmates, you can take care of that type of thing," and that's how you can you know those. Those restaurants that are not partnered now, we're going to give you the ability to chase those down. And, you know, Postmates gets to be the one that's like Grubhub and DoorDash and Postmates. So what do you think? Is this a good thing? Is it a problem? I'm going to tell you, I'm from what I can tell, I'm very much in the minority here because I think it's a real good thing. Because here's one thing is, if you're paying attention to the details that they put out, we're not losing a delivery option. Uh, Postmates is not going away. Uh, I don't think that 
I don't know that even necessarily the pay models will change a whole lot, although there are a lot of similarity between the two, so I don't know that it would make a lot of difference if the pay models changed. Um, but I do think that what's going to happen as a result of this is that there are a couple of things that I really, really, really have an issue with how Postmates does some things. They are things that horribly cross the line as far as controlling independent contractors. And because Uber is going to be in charge overall, even though they'll have their own company, I got a feeling that uh, Uber Legal is going to step in and say, no, 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 you can't do that anymore. Because Uber is much, much, much more conscious of things that uh, the courts could say, yeah, that looks like an employee relationship than any of the other companies. That's the reason that Uber does not, Uber Eats does not give out delivery bags like everybody else does is because, and I had somebody from Uber tell me that expressly, that it was because they don't want that to be seen as an employee-employer relationship. And, and so they're much, much more careful about that type of thing. And I could see them tempering some of the things that maybe then the worst parts of Postmates could be stripped away. We'll see. We will see. So here's a question. Is it possible to make a hundred grand doing delivery? Did you see the story about the six million dollar or the, the six six hundred the the six figure delivery driver? At least that's the way everybody's kind of uh, phrasing it. There's a story I've got a link in the show notes uh, from CNBC about a guy named uh, from Salem, Oregon. His name is Sam Lyon, L-Y-O-N, I believe. And he decided to go out. He was doing an online business. If, if I remember this right from the story, he was doing an online business that kind of tanked as a result of um, the pandemic. So he had to go out and make some money. And so he picked up Uber Eats and he decided to do this challenge where he was going to try and make $8,000 in a month. And he documented it on TikTok. Well, he went out, and in June, he earned $8,357. Now, if you take that times 12 months, that is $100,284. And that's where everybody's saying, you know, six-figure delivery or on pace to be six figures. Now, he never intended to make that a, a year-long type of thing. You know, the whole thing was it was all about what can I do in a month's time doing this, you know, kind of maximum hours. Is it possible, you know, can you make six figures in the delivery world? That just seems out there for a lot of people. And it was funny to me, I think, reading all the comments and the videos that uh, went with that. You know, the uh, CNBC had their story and they had it on YouTube. And, oh, my gosh, talk about the crab in the bucket thing. Have you ever heard of the crab in the bucket thing? where you have a bucket of crabs and if one crab is trying to crawl out of there, the other crabs are reaching up to pull it back in. And it's just kind of the feeling that I got of all the people that were responding to that. And instead of, Oh man, that is awesome. Instead of just, you know, Hey, kudos for going out and working hard and, and making some good money. Everything was all about, no, that's not possible. It's uh, no, this is just advertising by Uber Eats. You can't really make that much money. No, you know, but what about the wear and tear on the car? And uh, I guess, well, that's Facebook, 
YouTube, social media, sometimes you just get the worst of people, I guess. You know, I think more than anything, I was just kind of saddened by it because here's a guy that he went out and he killed it. He worked his butt off for a whole month. And people that are making a whole lot less money than what he made would rather convince himself he didn't do it or convince themselves that uh, it wasn't that big of a deal than give him credit for killing it. Well, let's talk about Sam. Let's talk about his $8,357. And what does that mean for the rest of us? Well, here's the first question is, is it possible? Guys, you run the numbers, you know, and, and, and in the article or in the uh, uh, the report there, they gave all the information about, you know, it was 12 hours a day for 30 days, so 360 hours. And now if you're familiar with Uber, they actually put a 12-hour cap. You can't be on the clock for more than 12 hours in a day, and they'll shut you off. So, you know, he's pretty much kind of capped at that. So 360 hours that he put in. And that's $8,357 in 360 hours. That comes out to $23.21 per hour. Guys, that's not that unreasonable. That's, that's not out of the question. Guys, I made $34 an hour on my Uber Eats deliveries in June. And if I were to break that out over 360 hours, that'd be about $12,000. And that's not to say, that's not to try and compare. Because here's the deal is, you know, I wouldn't have maintained that pace if I did that 12 hours a day. Um, I'm, I'm working probably a little more selective on the days. And uh, so I think that, uh, but what I am getting at is, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it is possible. $23.21 an hour is not an impossible thing. Now, I'm impressed because, uh, honestly, um, it sounds like he's pretty new to this. And to do that well, being brand new, that's, that's pretty incredible. So, yes, absolutely, it is possible. It can be done. Second question, though, is, is it sustainable? And maybe that's the bigger question because... 12 hours a day, seven days a week, 30 days out of the month. That's a lot of hours. You know, funny thing is, is right after I got started and I was just doing Uber Eats at the time and I ran across a guy that was doing Grubhub and he told me about making $1,300 the week before. But he did say, but you know, I put a lot of hours in doing that. Uh, I think he said he was like at about 70 some hours. But still, I thought, you know, $1,300, that's, that's still nothing to sneeze at, right? Even with all those hours, and it's kind of one of the beauties of doing this independent gig work is you're not limited to 40 hours, you know. But that's still a lot of hours. And that's one of the things, you know, that I saw a lot of people just really criticizing, really cracking on that. It's like, oh, that's nuts. That's that's stupid because you don't have a life, right? But think about this. You know, Sam went out 84 hours a week. But think about the guys that are, they're making a $100,000 salary, you know, in, in some kind of business, whatever. But as a part of that, you know, they're managers or whatever, and they're working like these 12-hour days and sometimes 14, 15 hours a day. And they're putting in just as many hours. We don't crack on them, do we? You know, not not that often, but it's not that different, really. So 
I'm I'm not going to criticize the guy for putting in so many hours. In fact, I I applaud him for for a work ethic that uh, guys these days work ethic is just kind of a, a missing element out there. Now me, no, I'm not going to go out for 84 hours a week. It's just not going to happen. It's because I got too much else going on. Uh, you know, if I were 26 years old and I were single and didn't have family and didn't have other commitments, yeah, I w- I don't think I'd have a problem doing 84 hours in a week. But, you know, for me, uh, with family and with uh, running this website and all these different things like that, that I don't uh, I don't see myself putting 84 hours a week in. But that doesn't mean that somebody else is wrong to do that for themselves. Let's look at it a couple of other ways. What about the guy that he's 10 hours at the office, but he's got a two-hour commute each way? He's gone 14 hours a day. We'll rip on Sam for putting 84 hours in doing this work, but we give this guy a pass for spending as much time away from the house on his job by the time you throw in all his commuting and different things like that. How's that any different? Well, here's another one. And and this one I'm pointing directly at some of the guys that are can, you know, that that are cracking on him. How many people are working a 40-hour job and complaining that they're not making enough money, but for another 40 hours a week they're watching TV or uh, doing social media or gaming or whatever, doing things that really aren't doing anything. But you're going to crack on a guy that decides to use that time instead to go out there and make some money. I would rather have Sam. You know, I'd rather have I'd rather have that uh, person that's putting in that kind of time. You know. And here's one other thought that I've got about that, and it has to do with. Um, Quality of life, quality of work. You know, yeah, Sam's going out there. He went out there 12 hours a day. That seems extreme. But here's something I'm going to tell you is that I've worked in, you know, the business world. And you come home at the end of the day and work follows you home. You know, you're thinking about that meeting coming up. You're thinking about the employee review. You're thinking about the boss is not happy about something. You know, so many times that it's like, yeah, you go home from work, but it's not like you leave work. When I started doing delivery, that was one of the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things that about doing delivery for me was, you know what? I drop off that last delivery. I go home and I'm home and my work's not following me home. You know, I'm not stressed out about all the things that were happening or stressed out about what's going to happen tomorrow. So, you know, it's all relative. Now, I think one thing about, and one last question when talking about this whole thing about whether or not that's sustainable, you know, I, it's one thing that I think, okay, yeah, that's awesome. He can do that in a month, but could you do that for more than a month? Could you do that for a whole year? Because now it's every day without any kind of breaks. And you know what? I mean, it depends on the person. I, I mentioned the quote earlier from Gary Vaynerchuk, and uh, this is a guy that, that he works 80 hours a week, but he doesn't feel like he's working because he loves what he's doing. So, you know, there's there's that. But I think there's also this piece that you got to ask, yeah, could you continue to keep that pace up? 
Because like I mentioned, I made $34 an hour on Uber Eats deliveries. A year ago, I was making like $24 an hour on Uber Eats deliveries. That's how much of a difference that the pandemic has made. You can get in and out of restaurants faster for the most part. You can get food dropped off to the customers more quickly in most cases because of the uh, no contact deliveries. So you can get a lot more deliveries done and you can make more money. And if things get back to normal, who knows if they ever will, but if they get back to normal, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that the $23 an hour rate is sustainable. If that is, you know, of course, the flip side of it is, you know, he's only been doing it a month and he gets better at this. And so, yeah, maybe maybe the efficiencies that he finds offset. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, it is uh, it is one of those things. I don't think it'd be sustainable for a whole year. But I don't think it's impossible for it to be sustainable for a whole year either. So how, how's that for being a, a commitment there? Well, here's a question that you might ask, too, is, yeah, but was it really $8,357? And I would tell you no. And, uh, in fact, if you read the story, if you listen to the story, you know, he pretty much admits that no, it's not, because he paid, out of that, he had to pay $499 in gas, and he had an oil change. And he said, but, you know, when you add it all up, it's not that expensive. Now, in that, that's one where I'd kind of take a little bit of issue with him because his car costs him more than gas and the oil change. If you listen to me long, and some of you know right now exactly what I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about that credit card on wheels with your car. You know, he drove 4,844 miles. And those 4,844 miles are going to cost him in things that he's going to pay later on. He's got to change his tires more, you know, sooner. He's got to do his maintenance more often. He's got to replace things more often. That's 5,000 miles closer to changing his timing belt if he's got a timing belt. You see, you see where I'm going with that? But the other thing that happens is when you sell or you trade your car, your miles are a big part of the value of the car that you get back. That's a huge determining factor. And when you put those miles on, that means that's less money you get back then. So that's money that you pay in the fact that you're not getting as much money when you sell it or when you trade it, you know, later on down the line. So it's going to cost him more. Now, on newer cars, it looked like he had a fairly new car, but I couldn't tell for sure. You know, it was just kind of like quick little shots of stuff. So I couldn't tell 100% sure, but, you know, if you got like about a five-year-old car, it's not that uncommon. It's probably pretty normal for that cost of operating at that level of miles to be right around 35 cents a mile. So when you add all of that up with this 4,008, we'll just say it's 40, 35 cents a mile is what its actual cost is. That's $1,695 in vehicle cost, you know, so about another $1,100 more that eventually it's going to cost him because of those miles than just what his gas and oil were. But anyway, you take that away and now you're at $6,662 in profits. I don't like those three sixes together, you know. But $6,600, that's not bad. That is not bad at all. And, but, you know, then you got people that will jump on, well, yeah, but you still got to pay taxes. Well, folks, 
If you make $6,600 as an employee, you got to pay taxes on it. You still have Social Security and Medicare coming out of it, and you still have your income tax and your, your state tax and all that coming out of it. So you got to pay taxes either way on that money. Now, there is one thing that you got to understand is that there is a little more tax that you pay as an independent contractor. Um, don't want to get too much into this, but you've got self-employment tax, which is 15.3%. And what that is, is that's our version of Medicare and Social Security tax. Normally, it's 7.65%. We pay double because we pay the employer side of that tax as well. When you add all everything up based on the 57.5 cent deduction, you've got basically the extra that Sam is paying is $426 on what he earned. So that's a little bit less that he's got. What it boils down to then is you take that and, and his actual, I guess his relative earnings, Sam has the, le the, the same amount of money left over after his expenses and that extra tax as the employee who made $6,236. Now, that's still good money. That's $70,000, $75,000 a year. That is not chump change, folks. That's good money. And that is more than most of us are making. So you still can't jump on him and criticize him and everything like that. There's, there's a couple things you can do to look at that. When you look at it, it's $17.32 an hour, looking at 360 hours. But if you're an hourly employee, you're not getting paid for 360 hours. You're getting paid 300 or 448 hours because of time and a half for anything over 40 hours. And when you add that up, that's a lot of overtime, guys. And, and, and now here's what it boils down to. If you're an hourly employee making $13.92 an hour and you're working that many hours a week, you're going to have the same money left in your pocket after your taxes and your, if everything else is equal, you're going to have the same money left over in your pocket after your taxes as Sam has after his taxes and everything like that. So essentially the equivalent is Sam's making $13.92 an hour if he's an hourly employee. So all of a sudden, I don't know, you know, that it's real easy to jump on that and say that's not that much, but it's not a fair comparison either. Maybe I shouldn't have thrown it out there, but it's not a fair comparison. Here's why. Because how many $13.92 per hour jobs are going to let you work 84 hours? How many of those jobs can you actually go out there and work that much? Because usually what happens is if you're working that many hours, they're going to put you on salary. Because at $70,000, you're kind of beyond that point where... You know, they can put you on salary and you're making enough money that they don't have to enforce the whole, you know, per hour thing. So at $70,000 to $75,000 pace, somebody's on salary, so overtime's not going to fit in. But the other thing is, here's the deal. I don't think Sam cares that he's only making $13.92 compared to, you know, what a regular job is. What Sam cares about is what's in his bank account when it's all said and done. Now, I'm, I don't know, maybe I, I shouldn't speak for Sam, but here's, here's the thing. Sam, Sam is the one that gets to make that choice. It's not up to you or me. It's not up to Uber Eats. It's not to, up to anybody else. And that, that to me is the most important takeaway of this. I think that Sam's story is a fantastic endorsement of this delivery thing, not because it's a $100,000 pace, but because it all boils down to the fact that it is up to us. It is up to you how much you're going to make. It is up to me. 
And you know what? If I want to deliver my my delivery work with my website and my family time, I get to do that. And nobody tells me that I can't do that. Nobody tells me that, hey, you got to go out for more hours. And if I want to go out for more hours, I don't have to go beg for hours or ask for permission. I just go out and do it. And that's the beauty of it. It is possible to go out and make $8,000 or more a month. That's not a made-up thing. That's not fictional. It's not some PR ploy by Uber. It is very real and very possible. And yeah, there's your cost of doing it. But Sam has got, he's still got, even after his long-term costs on his car because of those miles, he's still got over $6,000 sitting in the bank. That's more than most of us have at the end of the month, you know? And I'm not going to knock on him for that. I'm not going to I'm not going to look down at him for deciding he's going to work. I mean, there's there's so many lessons in this thing. But my friends, that's how I want to wrap things up. That uh here's the deal. Whether it's $6,000 or $8,000, Sam Lyon made a butt ton of money in June. And by the way, in case anybody's interested, it probably doesn't matter to anybody, but but ton is actually an actual measurement. I didn't know that until recently. Ass ton, however, is not. That's a different thing. But getting back to the point, you get to choose. That's the beauty of this. This is what I love about being my own boss because it's my decision to make. It was Sam's decision, and it was not yours or mine or Uber Eats. It was Sam's decision to go out and put in those 12 hours a day for a whole month. And so, Sam, good on you. You can decide to just work your face off and you make that $8,000. And I'm going to guess that after a month of doing this, your rate is even better. And you could probably bump that up to nine dollars or $10,000 if you want to do it again. And if you want to do it again, that is awesome. I congratulate you for that. And and if, if, if you're at a point where you feel okay about using up most of every day, doing that, then then that is awesome. But guys, you get to make the choice because you're the boss. You don't have to beg for hours. You don't have to go in extra hours because the boss is begging you or actually demanding that you go in. You get to choose. And if there's anything from all of this, from you know, what I was saying at the beginning to what's happening with Sam, that's the thing is you get to be the boss. So go do that. Go. Be the boss.